0: And I want to say a great big thank you to all of the volunteers and all who came yesterday and made yesterday such a great success. The Easter egg extravaganza. Amen. And uh, over 1,000 people came to uh, Tree of Life Church to participate, and that is a blessing to be able to just demonstrate the love of God and show the love of God to that many people. That's what we're here to do, ladies and gentlemen, is to show Jesus Christ to anybody and everybody with whom we come in contact. So we thank you for your uh, help in making that such a success. I also want to say thank you to all of our all of our parking staff, ushering staff, security staff, ministers, and, and, and team members in the church who helped Thursday night at the homegoing service for our dear friend, neighboring pastor, and district superintendent, Bishop Norman Pasley, uh, who uh, passed away this last week. Uh, and this was, of course, a great grief to all of us, and especially to the Calvary Church. And uh, they were able to enjoy. Uh, celebrating his life together as a family because of those who volunteered to help alleviate some of those normal responsibilities they would have had to take care of. And I thank you for that. That's showing the love of God in just a beautiful way. Thank you so much for helping them. We are honored that you're here. Now, we've had two services. We have two services. So this morning, we had a service at 8.30 a.m., had a glorious time in the Lord. We're having our service now at 11, and and uh, isn't God good? How many feel His presence in this place? Thank the Lord. And we, we glorify God in that, and the reason that we had to do that is because we don't have room for everybody all in one service. Uh, we really don't have enough room on any given Sunday, uh, but certainly not on, on Resurrection Sunday. And so uh, this is the case. But, but I want to tell you what's happening at Tree of Life Church. We are building a new campus on this property for the glory of God. Yes, thank the Lord. And it is for the glory of God and for the, for the saving of souls. That's the whole purpose for us being here. And, and so I do want to tell you that a week from today... Uh, there is going to be service, but it won't be at this location. So, everybody say, on April eighth, there, there will be service, but it won't be here. It, won't be here. It, will be it will be at the Oasis. All right, Amen. And 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 I am I'm so pleased that we're going to be able to have that service. It's going to be so unique, so so excellent, powerful, and we're going to be able to give details and to. Uh, and to provide a a sense of understanding of how we can make uh, this new campus a reality, and so you 'll want to be there for sure and and i 've asked everybody that is a part of Tree of Life Church do please by all means be there and uh, and i 've asked you to maybe go ahead and kind of if you were going to get me anything this year for Christmas, my birthday or Pastor Appreciation Month. Just roll all that into one and be there on April 8th, and that'll be my present. Amen. That's what I want for everything this year because we want to talk about Jesus. We want to talk about the Tree of Life Church. We want to talk about what God is going to do because he's doing great things. He's doing great things. And we want to be right in the big middle of it all. So we thank you for being there on April 8th, a week from today at the Oasis in Loveland. And there is uh, information concerning the location and, and, and all details pertaining to that at Connect Point in the, in the lobby. Thank you so much. And as Brother Jordan mentioned, we will be praying and fasting throughout the week. So please do sign up for that as well. We're honored to have you. And I get to do one of my most favorite things, and that is talk about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, from the grave. And uh, I'm going to turn your attention this morning to the book of 1 Corinthians. This is the first epistle uh, letter from the Apostle Paul to the church at Corinth. And the 15th chapter of this book of 1 Corinthians, beginning with the 12th verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse number 12, and, and it reads as follows. Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead. How say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ be not risen, then as our preaching in vain, and your faith is also vain, yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not, For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. You are yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are, of all men, most miserable. But now, but now is Christ risen from the dead. And become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Could we just receive the word of the Lord with thanksgiving and a word of prayer this morning? God, I thank you for your word. And I thank you for every individual that has gathered in this place I thank you that you rose from the dead. Thank you for taking my penalty, my punishment, my shame to the cross. Thank you for lifting my heavy burdens and giving me a clean conscience and cleansing my soul, making me blameless before you. For Lord, I was not capable of doing that on my own, but you did it in your kindness and your loving mercies. I pray today that as your word goes forth that it will be anointed, that it will be understandable that it will be received with grateful hearts as we consider today this most glorious, most glorious message that you are alive and make us to live forevermore. In the name of Jesus we pray. And everybody said, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you again to everyone for being here today. So let me tell you just a little bit about uh, who we are we are the tree of life church and the reason that we call ourselves the tree of life church is because the scripture teaches about the tree of life and one of the last things that it says about the tree of life one of the very final things that it says is that the leaves of the tree of life were for the healing of the nations We believe that God has placed us in this city to be a healing for the nations. If you know anything about Cincinnati, Ohio, you know that there are many, many nations represented in this city. We don't believe that those nations should merely be represented in this city, but we believe that every nation should be represented in the church. Because when we get to heaven, ladies and gentlemen, it's going to be people from all over the world gathered together in one body to magnify the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we believe that the church is here equipped with the gospel to bring healing to individuals and to bring healing to the nations of men upon the earth. And So the scripture teaches us about the tree of life and and not a lot of people talk about it but it's one of the most important features of the Scriptures. God placed the tree of life in the Garden of Eden. And not only did He place the tree of life in the Garden of Eden, but He placed the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden was simply a garden of pleasure. That's where God placed Adam and Eve after He created them, in a garden called Pleasure. So for some to say, well, God doesn't want us to have any pleasure, that is erroneous. God absolutely wants us to have pleasure. But he wants us to have real pleasure and not fake pleasure. The pleasure of this world is fake pleasure. But the pleasure of God is real, genuine pleasure. You can tell the difference by how long-lasting one is and how temporal the other is. The pleasures of this world do not last. They are fleeting. They are momentary because they are full of sin and sin inherently has within it death. But the pleasures of God are everlasting. There is a scripture that says this, In his presence there is fullness of joy. And at his right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Another scripture concerning the pleasures of this life and of this world say this. The pleasures of sin last but for a season. And we have all experienced that. Oh yes, there's a quick little pick-me-up. There's a quick little buzz or boost or pleasure if you want to call it that. But it is very short term. It lifts you up for just a little while. And then drops you just as quickly and more profoundly than it had ever picked you up. And you end up with consequences. You end up with problems, more than you can handle. We've all experienced this because all of us have sinned. And all of us come short of the glory of God. But God wants to give us real life. He wants to give us abundant life. He wants to give us everlasting life, eternal life. So in the Garden of Eden, he placed two trees. A tree of life, where that if you eat of this fruit... You will live forevermore. And a tree of the knowledge of good and evil, where if you eat of that fruit, then you shall surely die. Now, both trees are beautiful, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is magnificently beautiful. And the Bible even describes that it was good for food, and it was pleasant to the eyes, and it was a tree to be desired to make one wise. But if you're familiar with the scriptural account, then you know that Eve fell to the temptation, Adam with her, also ate of that tree, and in that moment, they had disobeyed God. They had transgressed the commandment of the Lord. And because sin had entered the world, death followed after. Sin is what brought death into the world. Death didn't come by itself. Sin brought death, and sin will always bring death. This is why preachers must preach against sin. Not because we take pleasure in being the bearer of bad news. Not because we enjoy being considered an old-fashioned ogre who likes to talk about negative things. No, because there is death wrapped up inside the sin that people are tempted to involve themselves with. So we must preach against that thing called sin. It always brings death. Man fell to sin and death came as a result. This did not take God by surprise. God knew that man was capable of sin. The reason he knew was because he had created man in his own image. And because he was created in God's image, he had something called freedom. Freedom of choice. Freedom of will. Freedom to decide. This is the only way to live. To not have freedom is unnatural. To have freedom is the will of God. So man had freedom, and he freely decided to commit transgression against God, which automatically brings death into the picture. But as I said, God was not surprised. So before God ever created a tree of life, before God ever created a sun or a moon or stars, before he ever created the dust of the ground from which man came, Before he created anything, God in his mind had a plan. In his thought, in his idea, he had a plan. To save man should man ever fall. And the plan went a little something like this. There will be a lamb to come into the world. If man falls and sins and brings death into the world, then man will have to somehow vanquish sin. Overcome sin, conquer sin, and man will be incapable of conquering sin. And because man can't conquer sin, man can't conquer death. So the plan said, I, God, I, God, will become a man. And I will overcome sin for him. And I will overcome temptation for him. And I will resist all manner of temptation. And I will not fall to the sin that man has fallen to. And I will live above reproach and live above sin so that I can be the qualified match to overcome death, overcome hell, and overcome the grave. This is what the Bible called it. The Bible called it the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. From the foundation of the world means that before anything on the world was created, God had already decided that he himself would become the Lamb of God. And so when he created this world, everything he created followed the pattern of the Lamb that he would become. Now why did he call him a Lamb? It called him a Lamb because a Lamb represents innocence. A lamb represents purity. A lamb represents a sacrificial, innocent life. This is what our God became. Now, the Jesus that I'm preaching to you about today is one God. He is one living God of heaven and earth. And you can match him up to any of the other, I'll call them quote unquote gods, that anybody has ever worshiped. Any pantheon of gods, any mythology of an ancient civilization that has ever tried to conjure up or create their own god. And that's what man does. God created man in his own image. But when man tries to create a god, he creates a god in his image. He tries to create a god that will serve his wants, serve his desires. But that's not the god that we're talking about. The God that we're talking about is so distinct from any God man has ever created. He's so different. He's just—he's light years apart. If you'll, if you'll, uh, pardon the expression, light years apart from any other God that man has ever created. Because our God does not does not enjoy dictatorship. Our God does not does not enjoy lording over in terms of in terms of of conquering us. As other gods would do. But, but, but the God I'm talking about, he actually became a servant. He took upon himself the form of a servant. And he became obedient unto death. Even the death of the cross. So when he talks about a lamb, it's talking about an innocent man. That's what God became. God became a man. He entered into this world. And he entered into this world through the womb of a virgin by the name of Mary. The scripture says that the Holy Ghost overshadowed Mary. And she conceived and brought forth a son. And this man that walked the earth was more than just a man. He was the almighty God manifest in the flesh. The scripture calls him the only begotten son of God. And he had a task before him. You and I have the same task. But we're incapable of doing it. The task is to live above sin. The task is never to lie, never to lust, never to commit fornication, never to hate, never to be proud, never to be envious, never to be greedy, never to commit adultery. We have this task ahead of us, but none of us have been able to keep this task. Every one of us have fallen to these requirements. We have come so short of these requirements. If you look around today, some of you maybe didn't even feel worthy to come into the church house this morning. I've invited people to church and they said, you want the whole place to cave in inviting me to church? They said, I'm afraid lightning will strike if I walk into the, into the church house. Listen, if lightning was going to strike, it was going to strike a long time ago because every one of us have fallen so dramatically short so dramatically short of the standard that is set for us in the scriptures. There is nobody who has been able to meet the standard of God's expectation except one man. And that was God in man, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Savior, the Redeemer of all mankind. Oh, hallelujah! And so, so he walked this earth and he was perfect. He was perfect in his words, he was perfect in his actions, he was perfect in his treatment of people. He was perfect in his motives. His thoughts were perfect. Sin would tempt him, but he would resist the temptation. Unlike you and I, we just go falling headlong into it. That's not what Jesus did. Jesus would look at the temptation and resist it, and he would, he would stand. Upon the word of God in order to give him power to overcome the temptation. He would look at the temptation and say, It is written, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. It is written, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength, and Him only shall you serve. This was the way Jesus walked and lived. Above temptation. The only thing that makes death a reality in our world is sin. It's the only thing. Death is unnatural. It is the most unnatural thing you and I have ever experienced. And you know that in your heart of hearts. That it is extremely unnatural. Now we have gotten into the habit of making it a natural part of our lives. In fact, you've heard people say, well now death is just as natural as birth. It's just as much a part of life as birth is. And that is the case in our fallen world in our cursed world, but that is not the will of God. It was never God's will that we would deal with death, that we would deal with sickness, that we would deal with sadness, that we would have sorrow of heart. It was never God's will that we would ever have to deal with the loss of a loved one, the loss of a child, the loss of a parent. I said that to somebody and they said, oh, you mean that we're to live forever spiritually, right? I said, I mean, we are to live forever physically, spiritually, body, soul, and spirit is in the original design of God is to live forever. Let me see if I can make it as clear as possible. Adam and Eve should be alive right now, being fruitful and multiplying in the prime of their life. Death was never supposed to be a part of our world. Funerals, we weren't supposed to know what they are. Obituaries, that should be a foreign language to us. Hearst, a a funeral procession, a a gravestone, an epitaph, an undertaker, a mortuary, all of these things. They shouldn't even be in the lexicon that we use in our everyday language. We should be completely unfamiliar with all of that stuff. Every generation should continue to, to, to be fruitful and multiply, giving glory to God. That was the original design of God and the world is big enough and the galaxies are big enough in fact the apostle Paul said in the kingdom of God it is world without end this was the original design of God sin messed all of that up sin brought death into the world sin looked good sin looked pleasurable sin looked like what Adam and Eve wanted but they didn't look behind sin and see death lurking in the shadows ready to pounce on them and ready to create a murderous rage in their son Cain toward Abel and on and on death would extinguish the breath of life out of one person after another and nobody is alive from those days because death has taken its toll and death continues to take its toll if we were to go around this room and ask everybody what is your fear one by one by one would express their fear and we would get to the root of that fear and find out that the real fear is the fear of dying none of us know exactly when that day will come we only know that in this life that day will come the scripture says it is appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment and just this week in our church we had we were brought face to face again with this awful reality of death in the passing of, of our neighboring pastor, Pastor Pasley. It was, a, it was an excruciating thing for him and his family as he was waiting for a heart transplant and ended up having a, an artificial heart transplant. And the actual heart transplant never did come. And he passed from this life and went on into the eternities. But if you visited him, if you talked with him, if you prayed with him, he never complained and he never, he never spoke of it as though it were something to be sorrowful about. You want to know why? Because he did not live for this life. He did not live for this world. He understood something That we all should understand. This life is but a vapor. It appeareth for a little while and then it is gone. If you're past the age of 25 or 30, you know that's the truth. It's just passing you by. It's just, it's on like, I'm talking about like a locomotive. It's just, I mean, like just a few months ago, I was 21. I'm, I'm I'm hoping there's somebody here who thought, well, I thought he was 21 today, but I don't know. Maybe there's nobody here. It's just its just like out of control. It's every time that you turn around, it's another birthday. And, and every time that you turn around, you, you, see, you see a, a child that, that was six years old yesterday and they're 20 years old today. And you're thinking, where in the world did time go? Because life is but a vapor. Yes, it's speeding by you. Yes, it's going by you. And if you're living for this life, ladies and gentlemen, you are in great danger. This world passes away. The scripture says it like this, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For the world passes away, but he that does the will of God abides forever. Amen. Brother Anthony Henson, the associate pastor who, who spoke, uh, Pastor Pasley, in the homegoing service and and was talking about the important impact that he'd had on his life he said in that in that in that time of speaking he spoke of when his grandfather passed away of cancer and only 10 days later his father passed away of a massive heart attack imagine the sorrow and yet That same story in different ways can be told and retold in this house. I know it is true. I don't have to be a prophet to know that. I've dealt with people. I know that pain of loss, the pain of of grieving, the loss of a loved one. And it is so surreal. It is so much a reality. It was never the will of God. And so God said before he created anything, if man brings death into this world through sin, I have a plan to vanquish death, to remove death from the picture. I have a plan and the plan is the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So that's what the prophets were telling Israel. See, we have an Old Testament and we have a New Testament. The New Testament is where we're living right now. But the Old Testament was before Jesus came into the world. And before Jesus came into the world the prophets of old were declaring to the nation of Israel and to the nations of all the earth that there is a lamb coming. There is a Messiah that is coming. There is a Savior coming. And the death that you experience right now, you can put all of that in Him. All of the sickness. All of the sorrow. All of the sadness. All of the feelings of torment that you may be feeling. All of the fear. And all of the pain. Emotional pain. Spiritual pain. Mental anguish. All of it. You can place your trust in this Messiah. This Savior. He will live the life you are incapable of living. He will live above the sin you are trying so desperately not to commit. In one place, the writer said... Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? And who shall dwell in thy holy hill? And the answer came back with a resounding revelation. He who hath clean hands. He who has a pure heart. He who speaketh the truth in his heart. He that walketh uprightly. He that sweareth to his own hurt and changeth not. Let me tell you something. That's not talking about any of us. Because none of us have clean hands. And none of us have a pure enough heart but it's talking about our savior Jesus Christ who lived in this world where we live who came down to where we are and he had clean hands and he had a pure heart and he had pure motives and he treated people right and he had love and he had compassion and he turned the other cheek and he gave his cloak also when somebody would ask for his garment it was Jesus he is the lamb for sinners slain from the foundation of the world and you You're in a Pentecostal church this morning, and we clap our hands unto him, and we sing songs unto him, and we rejoice before him. You're going to see folks dancing. You're going to hear folks shouting. You're going to see hands lifted high and waving. You want to know why? Because he's worthy to be praised. He's worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. Now, y'all can see I tried to put my Sunday go-to-meeting clothes on, and I'm and I'm doing my best. I want to be reserved and collected and composed. And I want to make sure the message is very clear. But there is something that happens to me when I start talking about the goodness of Jesus. When I start to talk about the goodness of Jesus. And I rehearse the goodness of Jesus. There is a joy that wells up inside of me. It's, a, it's like, a, it's like a, a, a joy that springs up in my soul. And I want to give him praise. And I want to cry as loud as I can. And say thank you Jesus for what you've done for me because He did something for me that I couldn't do for myself He did something for me that I couldn't do for myself Hallelujah it is all about the resurrection this morning it's all about the resurrection of Jesus Christ everything that we say, everything that we do everything that we preach, it is all about the resurrection of Jesus Christ you see because He was perfect Adam had sin, so Adam died. Eve had sin, so Eve died. Every other person in the Bible, every other person in history, some way or another, met their demise because of the sin in their life. But Jesus had no sin. He who knew no sin, he was qualified, that qualified him to take our sin. So he became my sin. And here's something you won't hear a lot in 2018, but God hates sin. And and you know why he hates sin? Not because he's a mean God. This is why he hates sin. Sin separates you from him. He hates sin because he loves you. I'm going to say that again. God hates sin because he loves you. Your sin is like a massive wall between you and God. So God hates that massive wall. You're his child. You're his creation. You are the apple of his eye. You are what he longs for, what he literally lived for and died for. And so the wall of sin that you have erected in your life, he hates that. And he wants to tear that down. And so he said, give me your sin. Give me the lie you've told. Give me the sin you've committed. Give me your lust. Give me your shame. Give me your pain. Give me everything that you have that you should not have in your life. Give it to me and I will take it to the cross because I'm qualified. I'm qualified to be nailed to an old rugged cross. And when he was Brutally nailed to a cross. And I just want to repeat this again to you in case you don't realize just how awful that was. He was wounded. He was bruised. He was chastised. He was smitten. He was stricken of God. He was afflicted. He was forsaken. He was abandoned because he on that cross, because of his purity, because of his innocence as a lamb, He was qualified to take all of my sin. And so, all of my sin is represented on that cross. That's not just Jesus on that cross. That's my sin. That's my shame. That's my guilt. And everything that happened to him happened to my sin. And he went down into the grave. He went down into hell. And he went down into the grave and into hell different than anybody had ever gone down into the grave. Everybody else that went down into the grave went down having committed sin. Went down into the grave having done things that were wrong. Having messed up. Having disappointed people. Having wounded people. Having problems in their life. And so death just took them and moved them on down an assembly line if you please and and it was very clear yep there's sin here sin there sin there move them on down and it was one person after another after another for all had sinned and come short of the glory of God but when Jesus died and when Jesus entered into the domain of death death had never encountered some body literal body like the body of Jesus Christ and so when that body came down there was no sin in that body there was no lie that had ever been told there was no Hate that had ever been harbored there was no lust that had ever been had ever been indulged in and so when that body came down it came down as a perfect body and death had no jurisdiction over that body you wonder how Jesus rose from the dead Jesus didn't just some people think Jesus died and then he went down into the grave and he had to go you know put death in a headlock And I don't know, give it a noogie or something, I don't know, you know, I I don't know what, he body slammed hell and pile drove the grave and then, you know, gave a flying kick and elbow and dropped. No, that's not what happened. The moment he died there was going to be a resurrection because when he died, he died as an innocent man and the death, hell, and grave juggernaut has no power over a sinless body. So when he rose from the grave, he rose from the grave triumphant over death, triumphant over hell, and triumphant over of the grave. <laughs> Hallelujah. It was Jesus who did it. It wasn't Muhammad who did it. It was Jesus who did it. It wasn't Hare Krishna who did it. It was Jesus who did it. It wasn't Buddha who did it. It was Jesus who did it. You and I mean no respect to anybody, but but I'm not gonna stand here and tell a lie to you. He is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. And any man that cometh to the Father must come by him. He said, I am the door to the sheepfold. I am the door to the sheepfold. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. And so when you hear me preach today, I don't want you to leave without hearing me say to you this very important message. Repent and be baptized. Every one of you every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Why do you say that Pastor Joel? Because Jesus told Nicodemus a rabbi in John chapter 3 except a man be born again he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Except a man be born of the water and of the spirit he cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. Life is not about prosperity now. Life is about the resurrection. It's all about the resurrection. This life as you know it, could end today. God forbid. But we cannot boast ourselves of tomorrow. Not one of us knows whether we will live to see another day. It could be anyone's moment this week. Monday's not guaranteed. Tuesday's not guaranteed. I don't know what you have planned on Wednesday. But there is no guarantee you'll see Wednesday. You say, oh, it couldn't happen to me. It happens to thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people every day. People who had lunch appointments. People who had educational aspirations. People who had relationship goals. People who had a whole life, quote, unquote, in front of them when in fact they did not have a life in front of them it was this world that passes away the grass that withers, the flower that fades, and this world that is constantly moving away from us, people that we love slipping from our grasp, people that we honor, people that we can't imagine life without, but they are gone in this life it is about a lamb slain from the foundation of the world life is about a lamb who was buried in a borrowed tomb life is about a lamb who rose from that grave Triumphant over the death that intimidates you and I. Hallelujah. So when I baptize you, there's only one way that I will baptize you and that is in the name of Jesus Christ. That's the only way. That's the only way I'll do it. Because he was wounded, not for his transgressions, but for my transgressions. He was bruised, not for his iniquities, but for my iniquities. The chastisement of of my peace was upon him. With his stripes, I'm healed. This is Jesus that we're talking about. And the only way I can be saved is if I'm in him. Did you know that? The only way I can be saved is to be in Jesus Christ. I thought you were a preacher yeah but the only way I can be saved is to be in Jesus Christ well I thought you were a Christian right but the only way I can be saved is to be in Jesus Christ if I go stand before the judgment seat of God and say well God I did good stuff look look I got a list here of of things I did that were good and folks I helped and and things I said that were nice and and stuff I stopped doing because it was bad stuff and I lay all that list out God that doesn't matter at all to God that's like filthy rags in the sight of God he's so holy he's so pure he so perfect the only way that I will be blameless and innocent in his sight is if I'm in Jesus Christ covered by the blood of Jesus. And that's why, that's why even today I would love to baptize every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Because oh, sweet wonder. Oh, sweet wonder. Jesus, the Son of God. What a beautiful thing to be bathed in the love of God. Covered by the grace of God. Redeemed by the mercy of God. Redeemed from the power of death and destruction. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. So it's all about the resurrection. And this is what God wanted man to always know. See, God knew once man had drifted from from a life of purity into a life of sin, that death would enter the picture. And he wanted man to always know, look, there is a way out of this. There in the Garden of Eden was the tree of life. And God blocked man from entering, re-entering the Garden of Eden. See, man... As soon as he was cast out of the garden, he would have loved just to make a U-turn, go right back in, eat of the tree of life, and live forever. But that's not how it would work. God actually put an angel there and a flaming sword so that man could not eat of the tree of life and live forever in a sinful state. Somebody might ask the question, why wouldn't God want man to live forever in a sinful state? Because man is destructive in a sinful state. Imagine an Adolf Hitler living forever. Imagine Napoleon Bonaparte living forever. Imagine Genghis Khan living forever. Imagine Charlie Manson living forever. Imagine imagine people who are bent on the destruction of others living forever and ever in their sinful state with murder raging inside of them. No, no, no. God said, no, You, if you're going to live forever, you're not going to do it through the ways of man. You're going to do it through Jesus Christ so he said I'm going to give you entrance back to the tree of life but I'm not going to let you do it in your own way and through your own means and through your own devices I'm going to let you do it through me I will become the door hallelujah back to the tree of life and if any man hallelujah is a thirst let him come and drink of the waters of life freely hallelujah he that believeth on me as the scripture has said out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water he said behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And if any man will hear my voice, then he will open unto me and I will come in and sup with him and he will sup with me. That's what Jesus said. See, it's all about the resurrection. That's why when he created this earth, he put this message. This messaging is in everything God created. The lamb lives, the lamb dies, and the lamb raises back to life. That is in everything God created. Or you don't want to hear that from me, well, then, then tomorrow morning, I want you just to get up about 4, 4 30 in the morning, get you a cup of coffee, Starbucks, good old fashioned Folgers. I don't even know if they make Folgers or Sanka anymore. I don't know. Now I'm really showing my age. Sanka, Lord help us. I don't drink coffee, so bear with me. And, and just sit out on your front porch and watch the sunrise. And let let nature tell you that he rises again. See right now. See right now it's daytime. That's the life. This is the this reflects the life of the lamb. Everybody's doing good. Everybody's feeling good. And if the preacher will stop preaching, we won't fall asleep, you know. But, but we're 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 feeling good. We ate our wheaties this morning, and we Easter Sunday we got a big day ahead of us. We're looking forward to a nice lunch with family. It's going to be great. That's the life. That's the life. But when the sun begins to 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 vanish, and when night begins to encroach upon our day, that reflects the death of Jesus Christ. God. God created the day, the Bible says. And he created the night. And in the book of Psalms it says that day unto day utters speech. And night unto night shows knowledge. It's teaching us about the life of the Lamb. The death of the Lamb. But the night will not be here forever. We all know the night will not be here forever. Not one of us questions whether the sun will shine tomorrow morning. Because God has made it so abundantly, firmly entrenched in our world. The message of the resurrection. Even your own body, as you feel physically fine right now, but your own body will begin to give way to something called sleep, which reflects the death of Christ. And you will go down upon a bed of sleep, and you will stay there for just a few hours, but the birds will begin to sing again. And the sun will begin to shine again. And even your body will resurrect from that place of sleep. And your body is telling you about the lamb lives, the lamb dies, and the lamb raises the life. The lamb lives, the lamb dies, and the lamb raises the life. The lamb lives, the lamb dies, and the lamb raises the life you can look out here out of these windows right now and you see bare limbs and bare branches and and they don't look very pretty right now but in about a month in about a month and a half the leaf will begin to blossom again and the flower will begin to bloom again and and, 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 and it's life it's it's raised to newness of life and throughout the summer it will blossom and it will bloom and and everything there will be pollen in the air and, and, and birds will be singing and bees will be buzzing and everything will be fine and life will be good but then the night will come again and the leaf will fall from the tree and death will take its toll upon nature and the trees will be stripped of their plenty and 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 the whole area will be frozen over because because the death the death of the earth has come again but it won't stay that way for long it like the lamb will rise to life what was god doing he knew there would come a point where man couldn't hear his voice so he encoded the message of the lamb in every part of nature I am alive. I am alive. I died, but I am alive. I rose from the dead. Hear his voice. The Apostle Paul was emphatic. He said, you got to understand our whole faith is built on the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He said, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then our faith is in vain. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then we are yet in our sins. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then there's no point in preaching. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, it is all about the resurrection. I like what Chuck Colson said, who was a part of, He saw firsthand the situation with Watergate. He became a Christian later in life. He said, I know the resurrection is a fact. And Watergate proved it to me. How? Because 12 men testified that they had seen Jesus raised from the dead. Then they proclaimed that truth for 40 years, never once denying it. Every one of them was beaten, tortured, stoned, put in prison. They would not have endured that if it weren't true. Watergate embroiled 12 of the most powerful men in the world, and they couldn't keep alive for three weeks. You're telling me 12 apostles could keep alive for 40 years? Absolutely impossible. And they beat those men. They beat them. Not, not to within an inch of their life. They beat them till they gave up the ghost. They put them in arenas. Not just those 12 men, but all followers of Jesus Christ. They put them in arenas and let loose wild beasts to devour them. And all they had to do was say, Okay, Jesus didn't really rise from the dead. But they said, Let the lions loose. Boil me in oil if you have to. But I know what I saw. He rose from the dead. He came forth from the grave. They crucified Peter upside down. And all he had to do was say, no, I was wrong. It was all a myth. It, was, it wasn't true. And, and, and I'm sorry. That's all he had to do. His life would have been easy on earth. But Peter said, I, I stooped down. I looked in the grave. I saw the body that was there was no longer there. And the angel of the Lord stood by and said, why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen and is alive even forevermore. And then he appeared to us, and he showed himself alive by infallible proofs. He said, we gathered together in this one room, and while we were in this room together, he came in through the wall. Didn't even walk through a door. He just literally, he translated right on through the wall because he's in a resurrected body. A body that is free from death, a body that is free from sickness, a body that is free from sadness, a body that is free from dilapidation and and denigration. And he said, so you can do, you can crucify me upside down. You can cut my head off. You can boil me in oil. That's what they did to those men. And they could have gotten away from all of it if they had just said it wasn't true, but it was, and it is, he is alive. And he has gone to prepare a place for us. That where he is, there we may be also. Folks, I'm not living for this world. I'm not living for this life. I'm going to a city... That hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Hallelujah. He said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. If it were not so, I would have told you I'd go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. Hallelujah. Folks, I'm going to a place Where there are no artificial heart transplants. I'm going to a place where there is no cancer. I'm going to a place where there is no car accident. I'm going to a place where there is no sudden tragedy. I'm going to a place where there's love and there's life and there's peace and there's joy and there's hope forevermore. And it is not a fairy tale. It is the word of God. It is the word of life. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, that's where we're going. That's where we're going in Jesus Christ. That's where we're headed. And so we talk to him, and we pray to him, and he talks to us, and he reveals himself through his word and gives us hope and gives us daily reminders, keep following me, keep following me, keep following me. Now, if you've got all the confidence in the world, you go right on ahead going following whatever path you want to follow. If you believe this world has solutions and this world is, has really got it all together and this world is just the way it needs to be and, 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 and really there's, there's going to be somebody very wise because we've seen that over and over and over, Right? wrong, that's going to rise up and and, and tell us exactly what to do. No, there's nobody in this world that has a solution. The only one who ever had a solution said, come follow me. Follow me. Come and go with me to my father's house. There are many mansions there. Hallelujah. There is a broad way that leads to destruction. And there are a lot of people on that broad way. A lot of people with name recognition. A lot of people with fame and fortune. A lot of people that you recognize. A lot of people that you love they're on that broad way and you might want to stay on that broad way because of who all is on that broad way but it's a way that leads to destruction oh but there is a narrow way it's a narrow way it's a winding road but you better get on it because it leads to life everlasting hallelujah glory to God I don't know when I don't know when my time will come I don't know how my time will come But that's all right. It doesn't matter because I'm not living for this life. When my assignment is done, my assignment is done. And then I'm going where I will live forevermore, never to die again. I told my daughters, I said, listen, when when my day comes, I want you all to keep serving God, keep loving God, keep living for God, keep holy, keep true, stay committed to the word, stay committed to prayer and fasting. Because my day, should the Lord Terry will come. And I told him, I said, listen, if I pass away, this past week we were at the funeral, the homegoing service for Pastor Pasley, and his daughters gave such outstanding tributes to their father. It was just beautiful, uh, the words they spoke. I told my girls, I said, listen, everything they said about Brother Pasley, y'all say that same thing about me. (laughs) Just go get their notes and and just, just, you don't even have to add nothing, take away anything, just say the same thing. because you know what folks I plan on this life I plan on giving it to God I'm going to give it to God I'm going to give it to the Lord Jesus Christ some people don't, or some people are worried about heaven because you don't know what awaits you there people have it like you know they they picture clouds and cupid and and little harps everybody walking around and when in, uh, you know fluffy clothes and little harps and they're like that kind of sounds boring that's not what heaven is heaven is is everything that is good and pleasant and peaceful and wonderful anytime that you've ever be, sometimes you've tasted it and didn't know you were tasting it you've had little bits and pieces of perfect peace and didn't know you were actually tasting a little bit of what heaven is going to be like and you know what you said in those moments you took a big deep breath and you said oh i, I wish this would never end And then somebody came over to you and said, all good things must come to an end. And they're right. On earth, that's exactly right. But that's not true of the place I'm going. That's not true of the place you're going. You hear what I'm telling you? All good things do not come to an end there. All good things perpetuate there. They continue there. And so I have to ask you, I have to ask you, are you going a place called heaven have you repented of your sins have you turned your life to the lord jesus christ buried in his name through baptism have you received his spirit in your heart are you going to a place called heaven i know you've got a big afternoon planned and i, I pray the blessing of the lord upon you and your families and I, I love anytime families can come together there's a precious peace that exists but could we take a few moments on this day where we celebrate the central reality by which the whole world consists, that he rose from the dead and give him praise and give him honor. Could we do that right now? Could we do that right now? I mean, literally, ladies and gentlemen, it is, it is this message of resurrection that, that causes the, sun to ro- the earth to rotate around the sun. It is literally this message of resurrection that causes day to turn to night, and night to turn to day, and day to turn to night, and night to turn to day, and spring to turn to summer, and summer to turn to fall, and fall to turn to winter, and winter back to spring, and on and on. The cycles go. It is the thing by which the whole earth consists. And we just pass it by so often. But not today. If the musicians would come, if we could just take today and lift up our hands unto the Lord and lift our eyes to the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask you to stand with me right now. For the Lord is in this place. The Lord is in this place. I thank you so much for coming this morning. I believe God has something special for you. When the word of God comes forth, it's important that we take a moment and receive it into our spirit. That we, just, that we just let the word soak down and sink down into our spirit. The Bible says that when the seed goes forth that the enemy likes to go and gather up the seed. He would like to steal from our hearts what the Lord has put into us. But let's not let that happen today. Let's just receive what the word of the Lord has said. I'll invite you just to lift up your hands unto him. And lift up your voice unto him. And say, oh God, thank you. Oh God, thank you thank you for what you did at the cross thank you for what you did at the cross thank you for what you did at the cross thank you for what you did at Calvary thank you for what you did at Calvary come on that's it in the name of Jesus I want somebody right now I want somebody who wants to give their life completely to the Lord and, and, and you might have served the Lord for 20 years, 30 years regardless, maybe you've never served Him before But I want you to come right now and say, God, I want to thank you for resurrection. I want to thank you for the blood of Jesus. Come on, that's it. Come forward. Somebody else, come forward. That's it. God bless you in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you for what you've done. I surrender myself to you. I surrender myself to you, oh God, in the precious name that is above every name, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, for the next few moments, we're going to sing unto the Lord and give Him praise. And all across this building, let's just lift a praise unto God. Lift a praise unto God. In the name of Jesus. Come on, if He's worthy, praise Him. If He's holy, praise Him. If He rose from the dead, praise Him. Hallelujah. Come on, that's it. If He rose from the dead, praise Him.
1: The highest place, what can separate me now? Oh. And at the cross, yes, I bow. I bow.